Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scottish Clans Podcast. I'm Clint Edwards, and I am excited to have you with me today. As you can see from the title of the podcast that you clicked on, we've got a big deal going on today, and that is the Campbells. Campbells are a big deal. They, uh, they are one of the biggest deals when it comes to the clans of Scotland that have ever existed in Scottish history. But before I get too ahead of myself, I want to address a couple of comments that I've got here from the, from the um, ratings on Apple Podcasts. So, actually, I think I covered one last time that, that I was covering all the listener feedback. So, I'm just going to cover this. I just got this one to do. It's from Mountains and Whiskey. Excellent and well-researched. Thank you, Mountains and Whiskey. That's nice of you. They gave me a five-star review. And here's what the comments were. Mountains and Whiskey says, I really enjoy the info on how it is presented with the sources and how reliable or not they are. Love the info on the borders, which have a wealth of stories to compete with the Highland clans. Indeed, they do. Thank you, Mountains and Whiskey. I'll try to keep a variety of, in regards to where the clans are from in Scotland that I'm focusing on, I'll try to make sure that the regions, the different parts of Scotland are all well represented. But definitely the easy, low-hanging fruit are the highlands and borders. And I agree, the borders are not one step behind the highlands on exciting history. But today, we will be in the highlands. Okay, so let me jump. I'm excited to share this with you because in in preparing for this podcast, I learned some things. I put some things together that I had not put together before. And I hope you get excited about this as I do. So let me talk about, as we address the Campbells, first of all, this came, this decision to do this podcast on the Campbells came because of a request of a friend of mine here locally. And his name is, his name is Kip Campbell. So Kip, if you're listening to this, good job. Uh, he said, I, I, just, I just really think you should do something because he, as a Campbell, he understands that there's lots of different branches of Campbells and he, where does he fit into all this? So this is actually going to probably be a two-part episode. And the second part of it will look more like a clan clusters, the type of a kind of a mini series I have rolling on when I have groups of clans. And that could either be unrelated clans that are bounded together, that could be completely separate clans yet that claim a common origin, or it could be one of these clans like the Campbells, like the McDonald's, who have many branches and, and several of those branches have become major clans in their own right. So that's what my clan cluster type of episode is. And so that'll be the part two of this, but the part one is gonna be origins. And I found out some really interesting stuff on the origins of the Campbells that I'm excited to share with you today. Oh, and one more thing, before I get to that, I want to let you know that I've switched microphones and I'm trying something out. And I think on the last episode, I, 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 so when I just regularly record with this microphone and it's snapped to my shirt, it doesn't come through real well on Audacity, which is what I use. The, that's the program that I use for recording these podcasts. And so I have to go back later and amplify the sound of it, which 
I had realized that it wasn't recording very loudly at the first chunk of the last episode, so I went back and amplified it. And then I got back into recording, finished the podcast, forgot to go back and amplify the rest of the podcast. So if it came in a little quiet, that's why. So I hope that doesn't ruin your, your feel for the podcast. All right, back to Campbell's. Just wanted to address that real fast. The Campbell's, here's how they've been painted in history. It, they have, and this, this history goes back to, I mean, qu- quite a long ways. You have Campbell, not you, not, you have McDonnell histor- historians, Shanahees, Bards, writing histories that they definitely have an anti-Campbell propaganda. And here's kind of the way they paint the picture of the Campbells. So, and, and the Campbells as opposed to the McDonald's. The McDonald's are painted as the bastion of Gallic culture. They are, they, they have the, the best and brightest of all the, the Gallic arts, the poets, the musicians, the, the uh, jewelry makers, the stone carvers. They rally, the, the Lord of the Isles is just kind of this flagpole that they rally around, an ensign. And as opposed to the Campbells, who are about half Lowlander anyway, and they are less, less Gallic and less Celtic than we are, and, and they kind of represent the Lowland interest because they're contaminated, and they're just, they're just not really with this Highland thing here. And that's kind of the image that you get going, like I said, going back quite a ways. So I, I, so I, I, in studying the origin of the Campbells, I'm, I'm just going to hear, here to tell you that that's not the history that I found. And you know what? I acknowledge that that may have been. It, it is contemporary information, but that may have been Campbell. That was, that was straight up designed to be propaganda. Maybe not so much as as a true, no kidding, scholarly history. Now, here's why they may have painted the Campbells in that light. The Campbells from a very early stage, probably at least since Robert Bruce, they've decided that they were loyal to the government. That's just a decision they made. Well, when after time, your government... See, Robert the Bruce is probably, I mean, almost assuredly a Gallic speaker. But as time goes on, and I'm not, first of all, I'm not saying that was necessarily his first language, but his, that part of Scotland where he's originally from and where he originally held territory down in Southwest Scotland, go back to the Gallic clans of Galloway episode. That was a very Gallic speaking part of Scotland, even back, back that far. Now, as, as you, the generations progress through time, you have less and less Gallic kings. They, I think, what was I think it was James the Fourth was the last king of Scotland to be fluent or conversational in Gallic. I believe that's true, but I, I didn't prepare that with a source or anything. But you you see this estrangement from the Highlands from Gallic culture. It represented in the in the in Edinburgh with the the federal the, the royal government, the central government. So there is this cultural divide there, and so as the Campbells, whether the central government was was Gallic or or whether they were more representing an Anglo-Norman culture, 
The Campbells just were loyal to him. And the Campbells were adept. Their chiefs were adept at maneuvering in these lowland, lowland circles, even though even though I think that, that uh, evidence would prove that they kept one foot still firmly planted as highland chiefs. So, so because they had that, that maneuverability in lowland circles, because they had that loyalty to the central government, to the crown, it was easy to paint them as, you're not real highlanders, you're not real gales, and, you, and, and the McDonald's are, and you just represent this opposing faction. You know, as opposed to the McDonald's, who are just consistently, consistently, consistently doing their own thing. Now, if you go back to McDonald origins, clear back to Summerlid, you have, I mean, he was basically, I mean, you could get farther into the weeds on this, but he, his, his territory in the Isles, that territory, he conquered that territory, not from Scotland. That was Norwegian territory. And it had been since the age of the Vikings. Now, Summerlid was in the 1100s, mid to late 1100s. Um, I would say, yeah, mid, mid would be a solid, solid time frame from that. Mid 1100s. So you're not in the Viking age anymore, even though sometimes that word is thrown out for the Scandinavian occupants of the Isles. Summerlid was very much neck deep in that mix Scandinavian Gallic culture himself. That's his, his ethnic background was the uh, fusion of those two. That's what we refer to as the Gaul Gales. And so he conquers that, the, his, his territory in the Isles, he conquers that from people who represent the Norwegian crown. So he would be justified in saying that he is a sovereign king and owes no allegiance necessarily to the king of the Scots unless it is through his territory in Argyle, which is where Summerlid's original base is. And that's going to come back to play as we talk about the origins of the Campbells. Okay, so the Campbells, let's talk about why they are not, especially in their origin, okay? Let's, let's leave later maneuverability aside. Later in Campbell origin, I mean late, early, early in Campbell origin, where do they come from? Are they less Celtic than the, than the McDonald's? Well, like I just said, the McDonald's come from a mixed Scandinavian Gaelic background. Gaelic, whatever. The Campbells also come from a mixed background. All the evidence in the document, well, everything that we can find on the Campbells says that they're, they were actually, more than likely, the Campbells were actually descended from the Britons of Strathclyde. Now, let me dive into that a little bit. And, for, and as I do this, let me tell you what sources I'm pulling from so you know. One, congrats to the Campbell clan, of, uh, clan Society of North America. They have a squared away webpage. And, or, it's, not, it's not a, web, a web, website. Website would be a better word because they've got a lot of pages branching off. They, there is a lot to read. I didn't even cover a quarter of it in preparing for this podcast. The Campbells are on it when it comes to putting out the information on the clan. Ah, oh, there's so much on there. By the way, that website is CCSNA. So Charlie, Charlie, Sierra, November, Alpha, dot com. What was it? Dot org. Sorry, dot org. CCSNA.org. 
go to that. There is a lot of material and it is well done. It feels like you're reading an academic paper. And as I was getting into it, because I've started to do this more and more as I research into a specific clan's background, even though I understand there is bias and not all the clan's websites are equally well done, of course. I mean, it just seems normal that that would be the case. But I've, I've been trying to at least go to see what they believe. What, do, what does the clan accept about their history if you, if you listen to it from their side? Okay, and so I've tried to try to give that some kind of element in my preparation. So in going to, I just typed in Clan Campbell and the ccsna.org was the, I think the first, the first thing that popped up. I got to dive into that. Oh my goodness, there's so much to read on there. So what I was reading on their history, the author of the article was drawing a lot from WDH Seller, S-E-L-L-A-R, who is... A, uh, I don't know if he was actually, a, he was Lord Lion King of Arms from 2008 to 2014. I, I'm not going to go into his full list of accomplishments. You can do that on a Google search. But I have seen his work pop up before. When I was studying this on this Campbell's website here, I was that was not the t- first time I'd seen his name used. He, he, I, I would put him into a, qualify him as a scholarly source. And anyway, he just, just a little tidbit on him. He just barely passed away this January. So another scholar that's cited on this website is GWS Barrow. And he passed away in December of 2013. He was an Englishman who became a notable historian of Scottish history. And so this, this site is trying to be legit about their work. Like, hey, our clan legend says that we came from this ferry mating with a king and, you know, it's 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 more solid than that. And this another thing I want to say about this website, it's got an extensive reading list. And so I got the impression that whoever did the writing for these articles was up to speed on the best research and writing on this subject. It is also well cited. I also have I'm drawing some stuff from The Great Feud, The Campbells and McDonald's by Oliver Thompson. I've checked some stuff on the Campbell Castles out of a book that I've mentioned on here before, The Castles of Scotland by Martin Coventry, and then also another book I've mentioned on here several times before, Kinship, Church, and Culture by John W. M. Bannerman, what's his collected essays. So that's where I'm, that's where I'm bringing my information from as well as that website. So it looks, there's, there's three different genealogies given for the chiefs of the Campbells. And this is interesting, the, the CCSNA, the Campbell of, Campbells of North America's website, it, it laid out these three genealogies. One's the manuscript of 1467, which is, contains a lot of genealogies for clans. The another, another one is the Kilbride genealogy, and another one comes from McFarbish, who was, anyway, not going to go into detail about where those, anyway, you have these three genealogies, and they're all old, old geneal- genealogies. And that this website had them lined up next to each other. And this is interesting because the first thing I notice is that how much they agree with each other. There's only a, like a couple of dis- discrepancies, but by and large, these, these three different genealogies really are consistent. Not perfectly, but, but quite a lot. So it looks, it, looks con- it looks pretty solid that the Campbell Chiefs, if you follow that line all the way back, it goes back to the Britons of Strathclyde. Now, 
it was a, from a part of the, so the kingdom of Strathclyde, you can go around the, the, for, the Firth of Clyde and that whole area. And then that kingdom would, would have at one time at least extended clear down into Cumbria, Northwest England. All right. So what part of it are the Campbells from? They're from an, a territory within this kingdom that would later be called the, the Earldom of Lennox or the, before the, the term Earl was used, you see the term Mormare. The, but this district of Lennox is the part they're from. So the Lennox represents the northern extremity of the Britain, the kingdom of the Britons of Strathclyde. In fact, there is a stone north of Loch Lomond, and it's called Clach Nambretnach. And some people think that that may have been a boundary marker of the northern extremity of the territory controlled by the kings of Strathclyde. So... So the, the Campbells, and, and then why do they think they come out of this area? Well, one, if you go back up those genealogies far enough, they start to look like the names come from more of the P-Celtic, Brythonic side of the Celtic house, and more so than the Q-Celtic, Godelic side of the Celtic house. Those are the two major language branches of the Celtic family. So, yes, yeah, so their names start to look more like that. In fact, you have... An ancestor, and this ancestor is included in all three of these genealogies, whose name is Arthur. Now, there's been some, you know, one of those, like I mentioned earlier, those kind of legends that, like, yeah, there's a fairy that married a king and stuff. The, some some people in times past, well, it, it's interesting getting on the what some people have said about the Campbell's origin. Some people have said that that Arthur was King Arthur. Now, clearly, the time difference is centuries apart from the person who may may have represented a real King Arthur. I'm not going to dive into that argument right now. It's, the Arthur that's in these genealogies would be way later than that. So that's not really a tenable solution for people who, like, yeah, the Campbells came from King Arthur, whatever. Another group of people, and I didn't research exactly where, like when this started, but they started talking about the Campbells coming from a Norman background and that Camp Campbell was originally Campo Bello, meaning like war camp, and he was like the leader of a war camp or something, I don't know, but it comes from a Latin background, and you have the Normans' influence there, and that's when we see the P introduced to the name Campbell, because the oldest spellings of it do not include the P. That's bunk. The, the Campbells do not come from a Norman background, and that's, I don't know that there's any historians, serious historians today who still ascribe to that, that origin theory. So, like I said, the Campbells are probably coming out of the northernmost part of the kingdom of Strathclyde. They're Britons who would, as the Gallic language became, becomes dominant in Scotland, they would be adopt. They, they would have changed. They would have assimilated with this culture, as happened all over Scotland. Right? The Picts didn't get wiped out by Vikings. They assimilated, and and if there's some people, if you go back into like Alex Wolfe in his book called From Pickland to Alaba, he makes a really interesting arg argument in there, and I've mentioned this in previous episodes, that he wonders if the, the, the Pictish language, which was on the same side of the Celtic house as the Old Welsh, and the, 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 the language that the Britons of Strathclyde would have been speaking would have been similar to what later became Old, or what would later become Welsh, the, the Picts come from that same side of the Celtic family linguistically, but they did not, but Bede, who was an English, an, an Anglian Northumbrian monk 
who lived in the 700s, as he's writing his ecclesiastical history of the English people, he talks about the four different linguistic divisions within the isle, the island of Britain, and he he lists Pictish as separate from what was be, was turning into Old Welsh, the that side. So he saw those languages as separately, and he was a contemporary as there were still Picts being Picts in his day. So. But, but same side of the house, both P-Celtic, Brythonic languages. And both of them had probably many, many speakers who just assimilated into Gaelic. But what I was saying was Alex Wolf's theory is that at that early stage, that it wouldn't have been a huge language shift to go from Old Welsh or Pictish and, and just learn Gaelic and, and become a Gaelic speaker. And he actually used the comparison of... English or the old English, Anglo-Saxon language. Now keep in mind the Anglos come from what was is now represented as uh, regarded as Denmark. That is what is Denmark today. That's where the Anglos came out of. The Saxons were a little farther south. But he compares the Anglo-Saxon language and how different would that have been from the old Norse speakers coming in. In in a lot of cases, probably not a lot different. To, yes. Yes, they were different. They weren't the same thing. Anyway, that was his comparison and how easy it must have been for the Pictish-speaking people to adopt Gaelic. Well, probably the same is true for the old Cumbrian-speaking people, as in the Britons of Strathclyde, to adopt Gaelic. So that's probably where your Campbells are coming out of in their, in their, their true roots. Now, the first person to actually be on record as using the Campbell surname was a man by the name of Gillespeck. Gillespeck Campbell, and he acquired territory in Clackmannan, or what became later known as Clackmannanshire. So Gillespeck Campbell, this, this is where the story gets really interesting and where you start to build some connections. And then some later events in history start to make a little bit more sense when we're talking about the Campbells specifically. So we all know that the Campbells, well, we, we don't, maybe all know, sorry, that was, that was stupid. Here's something you may or may not have already known. The Campbells come from, one of their early chiefs was a person by the name of Neil Campbell, and he, was at his loyalty to Robert Bruce and his cause was undying, completely unflinching, good times, horrible times. He was with the Bruce. That's really interesting, but you could ask the question, why? Why was he so loyal? Well, let's go back to Gillespeck. Gillespeck Campbell, first person on record using the Campbell surname. He married the daughter of a man, uh, of a nobleman named Colin of Carrick. Now, so interesting because what do all the Campbell chiefs call themselves in Gaelic? McCollin Moore, which means son of the great Colin. All of the chiefs who descend, they, all the chiefs of the Campbells, they, they regard themselves. That, and this is not just the, the branch chiefs. I'm talking about the the chiefs, the Campbells of Argyle, the main line, they use the Gaelic title McCollin Moore. Well, who was the, the Colin? Interesting. So the Colin, Colin Moore, 
who they're descended from, was the son of Gillespeg Campbell. But his mom, Gillespeg's wife, was the daughter of this Colin of Carrick. Now, Colin what of Carrick? Well, he would have been Colin, Earl of Carrick, but he died before his father passed away. Who was his father? His father was Donacha. Donacha was the son of Gilabrija, who was the son of Fergus of Galloway. Now, if you need more background on, on Galloway, go back to that previous episode. It was just a few episodes ago. The Gallic clans of Galloway. So, going down the line, Fergus of Galloway, a contemporary of Summerlid and from the same cultural context as Summerlid is from. Keep in mind, if you're looking at a map of Scotland and you take your hand, your finger or your whole hand, depending on how big the map is, and you just kind of trace it down through the aisles, you'll notice that your hand starts curving. In, you're going to start up clear north in the Isle of Lewis. You're going to bring it down through sky and through the through mole and isla but your hand starts to move in a curve if you're following the coast right and that curve will wind you if you just keep on following that curve right in galloway galloway was a cultural extension extension of the same context that that gallic scandinavian mix as the isles were all right so fergus of galloway was culturally in the same context as Summerlid. And that's who the Campbells, or the, these early Campbell chiefs are marrying into. So, once again, Fergus of Galloway, his son, Gilabrija, who was kind of the hard line, you, you see the, out of the, the ruling family of Galloway, the, the sons of Fergus, Fergus has two sons. He has Uhtred, and, he, and, and, then, he, and then the other son is Gilabrija. Uhtred takes a much more pro-Anglo-Norman stance. Gilabrija is hardcore Gallic. He regards the other people as, as invaders, unwelcome, even though they, most of them were, were invited by the kings of Scotland. Unlike England, where they, it was a military conquest, in Scotland they were invited. So d never mind that. Gilabrija was kind of a hardline Gael, and his descendants end up with Carrick, whereas the descendants of Uhtred end up with the eastern part of Galloway. So the western part becomes known as, as Carrick, and that's where we have, so Gilabrija's son, Donacha, and then his son, Colin of Carrick. Now, like I just mentioned, Colin and Donacha, his father, die the same year, and it looks like even Colin predeceased his father, so he never inherited that title. So the other, so... So who becomes the Earl of Carrick? Well, it's Donacha's grandson, Colin's son, Neil. Holy cow. So now we got a Colin and a Neil. What do we have as early chiefs of the Campbells? We've got Colin Moore and then his son, Neil Campbell, who is Robert the Bruce's unfailing friend. Interesting that we see this. So why, why, do we, why do we have these names, Colin and Neil? Where do they get that from? They get that from that strong family connection from Carrick. Okay, wait, we can push this connection even farther. Okay, so Gillespeg's wife, Gillespeg Campbell's wife, Afric, or Efric, her brother was Neil, the one who became the next Earl of Carrick after his grandfather, Donacha. 
<coughs> excuse me. So Neil, the Earl of Carrick, has a daughter whose name is Marjorie. And guess who Marjorie marries? A man by the name of Robert Bruce. And they have a son also named Robert Bruce. So when Neil Campbell is just through thick and thin with Robert the Bruce, guess what? They're second cousins. When I started putting all this together, and like I'm, I'm not claiming that I'm the first person to ever do this, but this is this was what I discovered as I'm reading other people's research. So and yeah, so this is not original material here, but I've been learning about Scottish clans for a while now. And somehow, somehow these details had escaped me. Maybe I just not had not followed this rabbit hole far enough. But anyway, here you have, that explains not only some of the names you have among the early chiefs of the Campbells, but also why the Campbells were so tight with, to start off with Robert the Bruce, but after that, the government in general. And I wonder if that just kind of set the tone for future generations of Campbells as we are, it doesn't matter, we're gonna side with the government. We're in this with the government. Now, yes, in way in the future, like into the 1500s, when you see the Reformation coming to Scotland and, and people taking different sides, yes, the Campbells did find themselves sideways of the, the crown. So, so yes, there's an exception to this, but I'm still wondering if that just doesn't set the tone for previous, or for the future policy of the Campbells in relation to the, the crown and their loyalty to it. So just some interesting backstory on why we may see the Campbells become so loyal to the central government, why Neil Campbell was so unfailingly loyal to Robert Bruce. And that, that just for me helped it all come together. And, and I think I just, that it never had in a, in a way previous to this. So now as we, as we get to that point, on that part of the Campbell's background. We're about at a half hour right now. So I want to wrap this section up. And if you're a big fan of Campbell history or just Highland history or Scottish clans in general, and you're kind of waiting, okay, where does this go? There's a lot more to the Campbell story than what we've covered in this episode. So I cannot wait to, I'm gonna wrap it up here because this is kind of a good breaking point. I'm going to wrap it up and I'm going to say that we'll, we'll pick it up next time with getting into talking about how, so this, this origin of the Campbells, that actually links them in with some other clans who came from a similar background. They have some of the similar names in their early chiefs because you'll see from clan to clan, certain clans favored certain names like they you see, like with the McFarlands, you see the name Duncan come up a lot, or Dunnacha. So you see that that's true of the Campbells, but it also is true of some of the other clans who come out of the same area. So we'll get into that a little bit next time and press forward from there. And, and eventually we'll get into talking about the different branches of the Campbells who became notable clans in their own right. And, and some of them provided certain functions for the Campbell Earls of Argyle and others of them just kind of did their own thing. Anyway, I can't wait to get into all this, but beans where we are with time that we are, I'm going to wrap it up now. What you guys didn't hear was actually, so because I just kind of broke the, 
I don't know if you could really tell with the sound of the recording or maybe my voice, but there's a break in there. I actually recorded the first part of this podcast yesterday, and so today being the 27th of July. Yesterday I started it and then got to the point where, okay, I need to go pick a friend up because we ended up going camping. And we, I just want to let you know, we got back into some of the most beautiful, big country that you can see. I mean, it was, oh, it was awesome. And it just fits my soul. And in fact, I just kind of, I think in this way, I'd relate to the Scottish Highlanders a lot. It's, it's free. You just get back into this huge country you can see for so far and just mountain range after mountain range, ridge after ridge. You see, get back into some big timber country with some some pines and some Douglas firs mixed with quaking aspen. We always just call them quakies. It is really cool country. In fact, comparing it to the highlands of Scotland, this, this place where I live, and we were just in the back country, not very far from where I live, is known as the Caribou Highlands. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. And I just got back from that to wrap up this episode. I'm gonna ship it out to you. Hopefully you enjoyed what we talked about. Hopefully you will enjoy it enough that you will share it with people that you think would enjoy this sort of thing. Hopefully you'll reach out on Facebook or Podbean or um, the Apple Podcasts reviews and continue the dialogue, continue the engagement. And we'll, like you said, I'm, like you saw at the beginning of this episode, I'm trying to more on a regular basis. So I don't have to set aside whole episodes because I've got all this correspondence backed up. I think that's the way that I want to continue this from now on rather than make individual replies. And if there's, if it's personal and it's like, wouldn't make, you know, may, might not be as interesting for the, for the whole listener of the podcast, maybe I'll respond individually. But I think a lot of you, when you ask questions and it is from an individual interest point, it actually does make really good jumping off point for something that all of us might, might enjoy and might learn from. So in that case, I'll try to maybe at the beginning of every, every episode, do like I did with this episode, throw in a comment or two and discuss it and then move forward with what we have planned for that episode. So continue the dialogue, continue to interact, share it with your friends. I sure appreciate it. Thanks for joining me today. And I will see you next time as we pick up this, this talk about the Campbells. Thanks for joining me.